advantage of the day. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Defending the Kingdom. Great to have all of you Kingdom defenders out there. They're now. You, have you noticed it's it's a club now? Oh yeah. Like people come, they'll come up to me at a game or something. Go, I'm a Kingdom defender, and we'll get you T-shirts. Believe me. So, the uh, Legion is ever growing throughout the uh, world. Yeah, it's one of my favorite parts of this job. We've both talked about this. Yeah, it's fun. Sharing like our Chiefs fandom with others, and this is one of the <laughs> platforms we can just talk about the Chiefs. You know, and I think. Our listeners obviously enjoy that because all they want to do is talk to us about the Chiefs when we see them. So I love it, and I love seeing Kingdom defenders all over the world. Yep, from Azerbaijan to Bolivia to, gosh, New Zealand. Got some good ones today. The Philippines, good. All right. Uh, I'm going to start with this one. Um, And Mitch Holters with you, by the way, the voice of the Chiefs, along with Matt McMullen, senior team reporter, Matt Stat will be with me against spotting in the game against the Indianapolis Colts. 1-0 so far this year, spotting. You're a great spotter. let me throw one out there, though. The West Point Sprint football team is growing among kingdom defenders. Now, the sprint team, Matt, is 175 pounds and below. You cannot be 176 pounds, meaning your tackles are like 170. Everyone on the team is under Everybody's got to be 100, 175 and below. That's it's, amazing. It's awesome. The, the academies do it. Some other schools do it. We have a kingdom defender, Sean McGowan, a plebe, by the way, at West Point, who was on the sprint team at West Point and is a somehow with their rigorous schedule, they have time to do a little podcasting and uh, join us on Defending the Kingdom. They have a big game this week against Navy on Friday. So not only the Chiefs against the Colts, but a shout out to our West Point Kingdom defenders on the sprint football team. Now it's time before we get into this Colts game. And this episode will be entitled Apples. Do not equal apples. Let's go around the world. Well, first, I'm curious how the strategy works in sprint football. Like, you can't run guys over. You can't just blow guys <laughs> off the line, right? Like, I, I want to see this with my own eyes. I do, too. I have not seen a sprint football game, but I want to see it. Yeah. I, I may have to find – Army-Navy has got to be streamed somewhere. <laughs> so I've got to find sprint football. We'll watch it together. Yeah, no, that's cool. I like that. Get Pip the dog, and we'll watch oh, she'll love it. football. Yeah. yeah, that'll be great. I look forward to it. Maybe a bi-week activity. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Um, all right, 13 names and places, as always, in, name, in honor of 13 seconds. So we have Bob in Unionville, Missouri. Pretty sure we've heard from Bob before. Thank you for listening, Bob. Tyler in Waynesville, Missouri. Ooh, the Tigers. There you right, go. Right there near the post of Fort Leonard Wood. Yeah. yeah. We've got Kieran in Las Vegas, so out there in enemy territory. Uh, Anthony in New Orleans, Matt in Erie, Pennsylvania, uh, Michael declared Antioch, California as Chiefs Kingdom East Bay. Pretty good. We'll take it. We'll see him here in a few weeks. Uh, Josh is in New Zealand. He listened to last Sunday's game, so the game against the Cardinals, while he was at work on Monday morning. So pretty cool, right? That's it. Yeah. People all over the world in New Zealand. I, I love it. The international dateline does not matter to the Chiefs' kingdom. No. Or defending the kingdom. No. I mean, yeah. for him, it's Monday morning football. No problem. Uh, we've got Zach in Colorado Springs. Rich in McKinney, Texas, but he's originally from Raymore, Missouri. McKinney Bears. There you go. Uh, Gary is in Liberty, Missouri. Mm-hmm. So three more international ones, too, to wrap this up. We've got Sander in the Netherlands. He'll be at the Bills game. Coming across the pond, going to watch us play the Bills here in Kansas City. Then we have William in Cambodia, and this is a brand new country here. We have a listener from Kathmandu, Nepal. Yeah. Yes. Planted our flag. We have 
and Sweet. Kathmandu in the Himalayas. The Chiefs Kingdom has planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. Truly. Yes, <laughs> in Nepal. <laughs> yeah. We've done it. Uh, that's so cool, Kathmandu, yeah. Nepal. Yeah, yeah. Do in the Himalayas. I'd do it. Fantastic. That's awesome. I uh, love it around the world. We have so many Chiefs fans and so passionate and happy with this 2-0 start. The Chiefs are the only undefeated team in the AFC West after two weeks. But don't let the numbers fool you because they have to go play this week the Indianapolis Colts, who are 0-1-1. And, and if you wrap around to what how they ended last year, disappointingly, uh, they lose in Week 18 to the Jaguars and got bumped out of the playoffs. So that's oh three and one in the last four games uh but i've learned this in my 29 years in the national football league just getting started nothing is more dangerous early in the season late in the season it's different early in the season than a desperate determined foe playing at home and that's what the colts are they will dig their heels in i've said it's alamo mode uh they are desperate to win this week, and they're playing their home opener. Yeah, it's their home opener, and they're fighting for their season, Yeah, like you said. Now, the good news for the Chiefs, let's look at them here briefly. To play two games, to open the season with two games in five days, and both of those games are against pretty good opponents. The Cardinals, who were in the playoffs last year with a very good quarterback and Kyler Murray, and then the Chargers, who are one of the hungriest teams in the NFL, playmakers everywhere, and we want to remind them that the AFC still goes through GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. That's a tough start, and to win both of those games with very little time to prepare for the Chargers says a lot about this team. And then you have the weekend off. It's kind of like a mini bye week. But the challenge for the Chiefs is doing exactly what you said, not looking back at that, moving forward, approaching this Colts game and, and going into it, knowing this is a determined team. And it won't be easy because the Colts are fighting for their season here in this one. The good news is the Chiefs have a team that's been there and done that before. They have exceptional leadership on this squad with Coach Reed, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and it permeates all the way through. And they'll be ready for this game. Juju Smith-Schuster, during his media session on Wednesday, said he doesn't even know who we play after the Colts. So that's the attitude we want on this team right now. And I love it. And that's this group has been this way since April, which was my thesis point of conditioning and preparation. The league is at a precipice here trying to figure out how do you really prepare a team uh, for the beginning of seasons, and Andy Reid could give seminars on it. That being said, the Colts, we mentioned, are a desperate foe playing at home. They've also been notoriously slow starters under Frank Reich, uh, but Frank loves comebacks. Remember, he was the quarterback <laughs> in one of the greatest playoff comebacks of all time when he was filling in for Jim Kelly and the Buffalo Bills, trailing 35-3 to and coming back to win. This is a Colt team that under Frank is 5-8-1 and one in the first three weeks of season, and yet somehow they rally and either win the division, get into the playoffs, or last year narrowly miss. Now, this episode is called Apples e Does Not Equal Apples. We always say, hey, it's an apples-to-apples apples comparison. Apples do not always equal apples. We'll get to that in a second. Before we do, let's just kind of skim over the Colts here and some things that are perplexing about them. One is protection in their first two games. Matt, the Colts spend 42% of their salary cap on the offensive line. Quentin Nelson is a highly decorated player and one of the best guards, some say the best guard in the league. And then you have a tackle like Braden Smith, a Kansas City native, played at Olathe South High School for the Falcons here in the Sunflower League and then went on to Auburn. They've got a lot of money invested in this line. they got Ryan Kelly in there. He's one of the highest paid players uh, in the league in, at center. And yet... Matt Ryan has been getting bludgeoned. He's been sacked seven times, hit 11 more times. He could barely breathe in the game against the Jaguars. It was really tough. They're better than that score would indicate, but that was pretty much rock bottom, I think, for what this Colts team 
uh, can look like when things don't go well for them. Michael Pittman didn't play in that game at wide receiver. He's their top option at wide receiver. He had more than 100 yards receiving in their first game against the Texans, the game that they tied. Uh, But he has a quad injury. We'll see if he's able to go this week. His effectiveness will be a big thing to watch in this game. But without Michael Pittman, all of a sudden, things got very difficult for this offense. And Matt Ryan scanning the field, trying to find somebody to throw to, he was under duress the entire game. He's pressured 14 times uh, against the Jaguars. He had three interceptions when he was pressured. He was just two of nine for 18 yards when pressured, and he was sacked five times. And because things started to snowball a bit for their offense and the Jaguars were scoring, they couldn't really get Jonathan Taylor involved either. And we know how good he is. He's one of the best running backs in the NFL, led the NFL in like every category last year, scrimmage yards, rushing touchdowns, rushing yards, but just nine carries last week against the Jaguars because they had to score in bunches and they just couldn't do it. This Colts team also struggled on third down. They're two of 10 on third down against Jacksonville, just nine total first downs, and they didn't run a play in the red zone until the fourth quarter. They are better than that, especially with Michael Pittman, but it shows when you can get pressure on Matt Ryan, it really changes things for their offense when they can't be on schedule. And I really think that the lack of continuity at quarterback for the Colts has hurt them in the long run because if you look this year, it's Matt Ryan. Last year, it was Carson Wentz. Year before that, it was Phillip Rivers. Year before that, it was uh, Jacoby Brissett, wasn't it? And the year before that, it was Andrew Luck. So every year, it's a new quarterback. It's hard to develop um, continuity and trust with your offensive line when it's a new guy back there every single time, kind of resetting the offense. In, in fact, it's That's been tough. six quarterbacks six years Yeah, in the opening game, which is really weird for a franchise. They, the Andrew Luck decision surprised him. Oh, yeah, in the Chris, preseason. Yeah, in the preseason. Chris Ballard, uh, we know him very well. He was here, and that thing, he just, you know, they're trying to recover since then. Um, the Jonathan Taylor one is also perplexing. You mentioned his incredible year last year. He had 552 yards more than the second closest rusher. Tells you what kind of year he had. But he is last in the league right now with five negative runs. You know they'll try to get him going early, not just in the run game, but in the pass game. I think that's their primary game plan coming into this one, to reestablish who they are. Because that was their identity last year. And a lot of people around the league fell in love with the Colts kind of in the middle of the season, toward the end of the season, before that Jaguars loss at the very end, because of their ability to run the football. And that set everything else up for them. Jonathan Taylor is explosive. He's not just a lumberer at running back. He's explosive. We saw that in week one. He had five rushes of 10 or more yards. Didn't really happen last week, though, because he was getting stuffed quite a bit. If When he is being explosive and getting to the second level, that's when this Colts offense is pretty scary. But for the Chiefs defense, if they can stop Taylor early, if they can pressure Matt Ryan, and they have to kind of abandon that run, that's where they really struggle. They're also last in the league in 21 giveaway points. This just is not the Colts. This is not what they do. It's not who they are. And, uh, again, they'll be in full-on Alamo mode. They didn't also They also didn't have Alec Pierce. Now, you and I liked him. Yeah. Um, he's second-round pick for them coming out of the University of Cincinnati. But we were doing our draft studies. We both liked him. They did not have him out with a concussion last week as well. Okay, now we transition. Remember, apples do not always equal apples. And we're going to look at the Chiefs' offense in that regard after two weeks. And then we're going to look at the Chiefs' defense because it was announced earlier this week that Willie Gay Jr., the Chiefs' third-year linebacker, will be suspended for four games by the National Football League. What happens now, people ask, who will be the replacement for Willie Gay Jr.? Well, these two discussions actually are parallel, even though it's on different sides of the ball. Let's take the offense first. Okay. The five-month discussion was going to be who is going to replace 
Tyreek Hill as the Chiefs uh, WR1, so to speak. Okay, let me just roll through these here, and it gives you a bit of an idea. Travis Kelsey in two games has 16 targets, 13 catches. Juju Smith-Schuster after two games has 11 targets, 9 catches. Clyde Edwards-Elair has 7 targets, 7 catches. Uh, when you look at um, Jarek McKinnon, 6 targets, 5 catches. McCall Hardman, 10 targets, 6 catches. Um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 11 targets, 6 catches. Throwing Noah Gray with 5 targets and 3 catches. You catch my drift here. These targets have been spread all over the place, front to back, side to side. And if some have assumed now that the Chiefs are even more difficult to defend than last year, you could argue that point. All offseason long, people kept asking Patrick Mahomes, who is going to replace Tyreek Hill? And he said, well, it's going to be everyone. We're going to spread the football all over the place. He was telling the truth. We can see that through the first two games now. Nine different players have caught a pass in each of their first two games. The defense doesn't know where the ball is going. It can go anywhere. How about that Jarek McKinnon touchdown reception against the Chargers last week when Mahomes is going full sidearm on his right foot, can't even get set, no problem, finds McKinnon in the end zone. And Justin Watson with one of the biggest plays of the season so far. When the pressure is collapsing around Patrick Mahomes, he finds a way to step up in the pocket. And these guys have only played one regular season game together up until that point. And Watson still knows, hey, I need to keep working for my quarterback. I'm going to put J.C. Jackson on skates deep down the field and get wide open for a big touchdown catch. He talked about how after the game that they worked on that in Texas way back in April. So even though they're new to each other in terms of regular season games, they're not new to each other in terms of their comfortability with one another at all because they've been working for months together. That's showing, I think. And how about Sky Moore? He wasn't involved a lot in the game against the Chargers, but we know what he can do. So the fact that the Chiefs have so many weapons on offense, you never know where the ball is going. It's going to be very difficult to defend this offense this year, and we're seeing that so far. Yeah, in fact, if you can find the interview, I had Patrick Mahomes on the Chiefs Kingdom show on the Chiefs Radio Network. Those of you Kingdom defenders uh, around the world, if you can find that archive from the Chiefs Radio Network, go to their site. It was a fascinating discussion because we got into that. Uh, and the fact that this season really began when Patrick had his own OTAs in Texas. Big time. But Justin Watson actually brought that route with him from Tampa Bay. He had it with Tom Brady. So one of the first things, and, and again, Patrick didn't know, you know, Jay Watt at the time, um, like, who is this dude? He's fast. He's got a catch radius. Who is this guy? Um, but they he brought that route. It's, they call it a chair route. But it's basically kind of a loop out and then busted up the middle. They were working on it in April, but then Patrick said, no, let's just tweak this a bit. Just knock it over, tick, tick, tick. Give them that look, but then bust it off. If we get the look in the secondary we want, that'll work. Keep in mind, that was third and 10 at the 41-yard line uh, when the Chiefs ran that play. So what happened was Watson brings the play from Tampa Bay. Chiefs kind of had it too. But still, Mahomes goes, no, don't run it three steps out. Just take one step and influence J.C. Jackson and then pop it. And we saw what happened. Uh, when how it, how it was manifested on the field, which leads me to this point. I'm curious what you think here. Because also in the offseason, who's going to – apples to apples, right? Who's the apple to replace the apple Tyreek Hill? Apples don't always equal apples. Well, wait a minute. There's not going to be big plays for the Chiefs. In two games, <laughs> in two games, the Chiefs are top four in the National Football League with eight plays of 20 yards or more. But hear me on this one. Clyde Edwards-Elair has two of them, 25 and 31. 
Travis Kelsey has two of them, 35 and 26. Sky Moore, you mentioned, has one catch for 30 yards. Watson, 41 yards. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster has a 20-yard catch, and McCall Hardman has a 30-yard catch. That's eight from six different guys. Let's give credit here to Tyreek Hill. Leads the NFL with five 20-plus catches in two weeks. One guy. Six guys have eight. And that's just passing plays, right? That's just passing plays. That, yeah, don't, don't, the running plays, throw them in there. Yeah, that, that doesn't include Clyde Edwards-Alaire busting off a 52-yard run to help ice the game against the Chargers. He averaged more than nine yards per carry on his eight rushes. And the screen game was also working. That gets back to some of the plays you alluded to because he was busting off big screen gains as well. The Chiefs' ability to run the football successfully and use that screen game is something we were hoping we'd see early in the season, and we're seeing it so far. And yeah, again, when you have so many different competent receivers who can catch the ball like the Chiefs do right now, you're going to have explosive plays. And we're seeing defenses. We were really wondering how they'd play the Chiefs so far this year. The Cardinals ran a bunch of single high and just sending blitzes. The Chargers blitzed a little bit too, which I was surprised by. If they're going to do that, the Chiefs are going to take advantage of it. And if they don't choose to do it, if they want to play too deep, the Chiefs will eat underneath all day long because they have all these different guys that they can rely on to catch the football and make plays after they catch it. It doesn't have to always be Patrick Mahomes throwing at 50 yards. It can be Clyde Edwards-Alaire catching a 10-yard pass and then making three guys miss and it turning into a 30-yard game, right? And we're seeing that uh, so far. So very excited about this offense. The Arizona game was great because everything was perfect. Everything was working. 33 first downs, more than 450 yards of offense, 14 plays that gained 10 or more yards. But the beauty of the Chargers game is everything wasn't perfect. Things weren't on schedule. The Chargers pass rush is really good. We all know that. And they still found a way to score and found a way to win. That's what I love about this start. We've seen both ways this offense can win. And it's not just when things are going perfectly. And and the Chargers are really, really good on defense. You alluded to that. The Colts are too particularly if they get the artist formerly known as Darius Leonard back. He is now Shaquille Leonard as of July the 22nd, and we respect that. So Shaquille Leonard, if he's back, is a tackling machine. Uh, like 700 tackles over four years. He's been the leading tackler in the National Football League. But Quiddy Pay is really good up front. He leads them with four sacks in two games in the 0-1-1 start. Buckner's up there, too. Played against the Chiefs in Super Bowl 54. Oh, they have Stephon Gilmore, former defensive player of the year in this league, in the corner. So they've impact guys at all three levels. Expect a scrap for this balanced offense in week three. They have a lot of big-name players on this defense, particularly up front, like the guys you mentioned. The weird thing, though, about the Jacksonville game is they didn't get any pressure at all. They had four pressures in that game. Those names that you just mentioned, only getting four pressures is crazy. And Trevor Lawrence was getting the ball out quick. He had the best game of his career, just moving the ball down the field. And if you can get the ball out quick, if you're Patrick Mahomes, get your playmakers the football quickly, it really negates that pass rush. So, uh, This defense, as good as they are and as talented as they are, they struggled so far. And I think not having Shaq Leonard is a big reason behind that. He's their quarterback. He's the quarterback of this defense, right? This is the number nine scoring defense in the NFL last year, but uh, they have struggled quite a bit. And in the secondary, Stephon Gilmore is who he is. He's a great player. But outside of him, their coverage has struggled as well. Yeah, they have a unique, a unique in Gakway, but he is—he had a 35 uh, pro football focus rating last week. Like, huh. what, in Gakway? Yeah. Uh, but they got some other sneaky guys. Uh, Bettigo, uh, who they picked up from Minnesota, kind of been around uh, the league a bit. He can be sneaky on the pass rush. But I think we all can agree now, or at least see it uh, in front of our eyes, 
uh, not just our imagination anymore. Matt and I saw it this summer. We tried to tell you in during training camp and during OTAs, look out because this offense will be different, in some ways more effective. We've seen that big play, spread it around, attack you side to side and up and down the field. It'll be tough on assignment against the Colts this week. But let's go to the defensive side of the ball now. Again, this episode of Defending the Kingdom is entitled Apples Don't Equal Don't Always Equal Apples. Okay, on the defensive side, the news came down Monday afternoon that Willie Gay Jr. has had a really good start to this season, will be suspended by the National Football League for four games. This is, you can go back and, and just Google search it if you want, if you're around the world and you're in um, Nepal, and, and it's going, well, why is that? You can find it, Google search it. But people are saying, gosh, who is going to replace Willie Gay Jr.? Okay, the offense has given you a lesson here because the answer is apples don't always equal apples. There are all kinds of schemes, personnel, and approaches that Spags does anyway to answer this question. This is why depth is so important. And depth was the emphasis of this entire offseason. And we saw that in the draft. We saw it in free agency. It's not just about feeling good about the guys you have in the starting lineup. It's who is going to fill in if needed. And we knew that at some point over the course of a 17-game season, you're going to have to fill in those roles. And we're having to do it here. And I feel really good about the options that we have. So Coach Reed spoke on Wednesday. He said at linebacker, the first guy is probably Darius Harris, who Darius Harris has been around a little bit now uh, for the Chiefs. He hasn't played a lot, but in terms of his um, comfort level with the defense, kind of knowing the scheme, he's actually been here longer than any other linebacker in the linebacker room. So Nick Bolton spoke about him, said he knows the scheme like the back of his hand, and he plays with a lot of energy, which is great. You know you can put him out there. He's going to do his job. But it's not just at linebacker. We can fill in with an extra safety maybe. Three safeties is something that we've seen Spags do quite a bit with this defense over the last several years, and we have the playmakers to do it. A guy like Brian Cook, who's like a – Uh, safety linebacker hybrid kind of player, basically. So I'm excited to see how Spags deploys this group um, with Willie Gay not out there. But this defense is really off to a great start, which is so exciting. We had hoped for this. Justin Reed said uh, during training camp that they wanted to start the season this way because they didn't want to have to dig themselves a hole then prove that they're a good defense in the middle of the year. They wanted to come out right away and be an attitude defense. That was their rallying cry throughout uh, the offseason training program, and we're seeing that so far. The pressure on Justin Herbert uh, in that game against the Chargers was just awesome. They pressured Herbert on 18 of his dropbacks, 18 of them. Uh, numerous different guys got pressures, guys like Chris Jones, George Karloftis, Frank Clark, Mike Dana, Leo Chanel got a pressure. It was coming from everywhere. And really, Herbert, when he was trying to lead that comeback, or try, when the game was tied even, trying to get the Chargers back on the board, he just never had any time. And it was awesome to see from this pass rush. Uh, this defense in general has been very encouraging to start. Uh, and let's hopefully keep it going here against the Colts. Chris Jones had the highest rating of any interior lineman in Week 2 in the National Football League. That tells you, and think about who he's going against, that's a good Charger offensive line. On defending the kingdom, we try to get bring up thoughts here and just let you go, wow, we didn't, I mean, that's a different way of looking at it. And that's what we're trying to give that here. Coach mentioned Darius Harris, and let's go back. Go back to 2020 if you find the Atlanta game. He was thrust into action then and made one of the bigger plays in that game where Atlanta is going to uh, work in for the upset. Uh, so it's he has been around a while. But it could change in one snap. Let's say he's out there the first snap against the Colts. On the second snap, he could be out of there. It could be a three-safety dime look with the three safeties you talked about with Cook, Thornhill, and Reed. 
Or even at the linebacker spot, that could be Leo Chennault. It could be Elijah Lee. The one constant here is Nick Bolton, whether it's dime, uh, nickel, base, whatever. I look for the Colts to try to force the Chiefs into base, meaning they will go with two tight ends, probably two backs, and force the Chiefs into three linebackers. I think that's what they will try to do and try to run the ball downhown and play pass out of that. Uh, it, I just uh, It's my assumption here. Makes but sense. It could change. The first snap, you're going, wow, it's Darius Harris. It's Darius Harris. Yeah, maybe for one snap, and then Chanel runs into the game, or it's Elijah Lee, or the Chiefs can play this. I'm looking at these combinations. They can go big nickel. They can play those three safeties with two corners. They could play those three big safeties with three three corners here, or they could play straight up nickel. Remember how good Legarius Sneed is in the slot, oh, yeah. both as a rusher and as a run defender. Uh, or let's see, they could go six DBs total with four corners and two safeties. As I mentioned, three safeties and three corners. What makes this happen? Uh, to me, the pressure. People say, "Gosh, it's on the linebackers. It's on a Darius Harris. It's on a Leo Chanel. It's on Elijah Lee." I think it's on the safeties, and you alluded to it, because the fact that they can play in the box, they're going to have to play in the box and cover. They're going to have to do it all here, but all three of those guys, and don't throw it. I mean, Deion Bush may run out there at some point. Okay, we've seen that. But these three safeties are all willing to play in the box. All are physical, all are athletic. They can tackle and they can cover. And so that is an asset for this team. So you're going, well, who's going to replace Willie Gay Jr.? Apples to apples? Apples don't equal apples because – these safeties could be the biggest part of this uh, answer to this equation. And let's talk about the conditioning of this defense because that has shown through two weeks. And I think the fact that the Chiefs are often the better conditioned team can help make up for a loss of a major player like Willie Gay. We saw that conditioning on full display on the game-changing play when tight end Gerald Everett for the Chargers made a big play to get them inside the five-yard line. They went tempo. The Chiefs defense said, Okay, we'll stay tempo. We'll keep the same guys on the field here. And then Herbert went for Gerald Everett on the very next play. Everett was gassed, didn't run his full route. And who was right there? Jalen Watson, playing in his first game here in Kansas City, here at home in front of his new fans, picks it off, returns at 99 yards for a pick six, totally changes the game. That gets back to the depth point as well because you lose Trent McDuffie going into this game. You're like, oh, man, that's that's terrible. I mean, he's one of our better young players, and we don't have him against a division rival. No problem. Jalen Watson fills in, makes the game-changing play. But that conditioning is super important, especially when the Colts, the kind of football they want to play, like we talked about earlier, is running the ball over and over again, short passes, wearing you out. And I feel good about this Chiefs defense, that they will not get worn out, even if there's a long drive, and they can defend every blade of grass like they did against the Chargers, and force the Colts to score um, off a long drive and not just give in after a while. So I feel good about that, and that has its roots in how difficult Coach Reed training camps are. There's a reason they work so hard, and so they're ready for moments like that. Yeah, and the, they're all willing run defenders. You have to be against Jonathan Taylor, even Naheem Hines, who can run screens. He's a really good pass receiver. But the corners on this team have always been under Steve Spagnuolo, willing run defenders. So apples don't always equal apples. Parenthetical thought here before we close. Let's give some credit here to Tommy Townsend and Matt Amendola. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Tommy Townsend's game against the Chargers was way overlooked. He averaged 55 yards a punt. He basically stole a possession away from the Chargers at the end of the second quarter with a punt taking 11 seconds and going 74 yards. Otherwise, the Chargers are going to think about at least getting three. They get zero, and it just it's just easy to overlook a Tommy, Tommy Townsend's best game. I know we never want to punt 
that means the offense didn't do their job, right? We know we don't ever want to punt, but when you have to punt, you hope that you have a guy back there who can be a weapon for you on special teams and flip the field. Because if you think about that game, how terrible would it have been if it's a, a shanked punt? The Chargers are in field goal range already, and they add uh, to their lead going into halftime. You have no momentum. They get the ball coming out of half. I mean, that, that would be, in a lot of ways, a game killer for the Chiefs. And Tommy Townsend comes out there, boots a 74-yard punt. 74 yards. That's the longest punt for any player this year. It's the third longest since last season began, and he ends up pinning the Chargers way back on their own side of the field. They can't get anything going, and we know how the game ended. I'm just really proud of Tommy. He's been working hard uh, over the last couple years, and he's turned into one of the better punters in the NFL. So we can't forget about him. And Matt Imendola, to come in here as a mercenary, essentially, to come in here and you hope he doesn't have to have a bunch of big moments because you believe in him, but he just got here, right? That's a lot of pressure, but you wouldn't know he just got here based on how he played because that last field goal attempt, there was a lot of pressure there. That makes it a two-score game. That's a huge, huge kick. No problem at all. Ice in his veins, nails the kick. It says a lot about uh, Brett Veach and his uh, front office staff that they have a list of guys who are ready to go if something happens. And Harrison Bucker got hurt. They find Matt. Imendola, bring him on in here and make some big plays and a big game for the Chiefs. Did you say shank punt? I, I did. I think I heard you say shank punt. <laughs> I did. The punter, for one of the biggest plays of the Buffalo game last year in the divisional playoff victory, the 13-second game, was a shank punt by Matt Hawk of the Buffalo Bills. Now, he's a Dowling Maroon from Des Moines, Iowa. Got it. <laughs> Guess who the punter for the Colts is now? Matt Hawk. Okay. They also fired their kicker after week one, Rodrigo Blankenship. He was one of eight kickers to miss a field goal, either in late in the fourth quarter or in overtime. He skanked a 42-yarder. That was Eight guys did that in week one, an NFL record. So Rodrigo Blankenship gone. They're still trying to figure it out. We're going to close it this way, Matt. Patrick Mahomes, if the Chiefs defense, we just talked about it, holds the opponent. in. It, think about Patrick Mahomes is in his fifth year now as the QB1 for the Kansas City Chiefs. If the Chiefs' defense holds the opponent to 27 points or less, the Chiefs are 45-1. and one. That's pretty good. The one loss, the Colts hmm. in 2019, 19-13. Your wife is so good in making sure you have a nutritious diet. <laughs> have you told her apples don't equal apples? I haven't yet, but I will when I get home. And I think about that game. I think about the game in 2013 in the playoffs. I think about the game in 2003 in the playoffs. I think about the games in the late 90s. Throw in 2006, too. We didn't get a first down. <laughs> yeah, I think about like that game. For a lot of people around my age and older, you look at the Colts and you're like, let's beat these guys. And that's how I feel about this game. Even though we beat them in 2018, uh, in the Which playoffs, expunged to it, your point. It that, did. That got rid of demons, right? Everybody's it did. Like, oh God, it's the Colts. But but still, let's beat these guys, and I'll my younger self will be cheering in my mind. Apples may not equal apples, but one thing is certain: early in the National Football League season, you can study this in military history too. One of the most difficult teams to beat is a dug-in, desperate team playing on their home turf. For Matt McMullen, I'm Mitch Holtis. Apples don't equal apples on Defending the Kingdom. Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead.